0: I want to talk to you about being spiritually mature. Now, I think we're going to see that there are two kinds of people in the church. And I'll show you where Paul even sort of makes a distinction. But um, if you'll all turn to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. Say amen if you're ready. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, one of the easiest things for us to do as believers, one of the easiest things in the world for us to do is to assume something to assume that something is the way it is. Even without facts, uh, it's easy to assume something. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if we read that one politician is corrupt, we tend to think that all politicians are corrupt. If we read that there's a doctor that's corrupt, it's easy for us to assume that all doctors are corrupt. If we read that a car dealership is uh, uh, corrupt, we tend to assume that all dealerships are corrupt. And if we hear one Christian is corrupt, <laughs> it's easy for us to assume that all Christians are corrupt. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not the case, especially in the life of Christians. You see, what is true concerning the Christian church is that you're going to find Two different groups of people. In God's church, you will find some of the most decent, respectable, and honorable people. But also in God's church, you'll find some of the most backstabbing, meanest people you can ever find on the face of the earth. Now before you start assuming, this is going to be positive when it's all said and done. But I want to point out something. May I add? For some time now, for several months now, I've been really dealing in my own personal life about being spiritually mature. Not standing up to God's standards. Maybe not to my families, but the reality is that I want to become more like Christ. I'm learning more and more every day in my life. I've been in ministry for 20-something years. And I'm here to tell you that it isn't all about your way it isn't all about what you think but i'm telling you it's all about what god's purpose is for us in our lives and it's all about his perfect plan amen Amen. and it's critical that we get into that mindset uh um even even in the reality well with christians um There are some immature Christians that give God a bad name. Now, trust it. Now, let me say this. I want to say this before we go too much further. The Bible teaches us that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory. Okay, I want you to say that with me. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory. You know what that means? That means we're all on the same playing field. We all have things to deal with. It may not be the exact same things, but we deal with them. Now, we can deal with them in a mature way or we can deal with them in an immature way. Let's take, let's for instance, let's assume that there's a church and they had a hundred members in that church. And this will kind of give you an idea of what I'm talking about. There's a hundred members in that church, let's say. And say that there's one of them, just one in that hundred, that just is immature. It just, boy, gives God a bad name. Going around spreading God, doing all this stuff. And then say somebody moves into that town. Say it's a little old town. I don't know what town. Say Porterdale. I don't know. I'm just picking it up. So anyway, they, they go in the store, and this brand-new couple come town. and introduce, hey, how you doing? And they begin to talk to this person, and it's very evident to see. And I'm here to tell you, it's very evident to see immature Christians. It's very evident to see people that tend to want to take things out of the, I don't understand people that leave this church and go to another church and say, man, them people over there, they're I don't understand that for the world. I don't understand that. To me, now y'all don't tell him this. Miss Cindy, put your fingers in your ears, please. We've got the best pastor on the face of the earth. And I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no stopping that little clock in his head, those little wheels that turn. You ain't going to stop it. And I'm thankful for that. But they meet this one person and they're gonna make a decision and they're gonna go, huh. It's easy to assume that the whole church is just like that person is. Amen. I thought about this. It was Connie. Connie Vanderswart. We met Connie Vanderswart in a in a bookstore, Christian bookstore. And man, she was gossiping. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding you. I'm kidding you. <laughs> But we heard her. We didn't know who she was, and you know, boy, did we know her now. We didn't know her then, but uh, we heard her talking about uh, to, to Miss Judy that owned the store about you know they were looking for a church. Well, we spoke up and we said, "Man, go to Solid Rock." And uh, we told them, "Is this not right? I'm not telling a story." And we said, "Well, God, we didn't even come here at the time. God had moved us on, I think, or whatever." But uh, uh, we had went on into full-time ministry. So we said, go to Solid Rock Baptist Church, and we get in the car, and we begin to talk. and said, man, I hope she didn't judge that church by us. (laughs) I was in old T-shirt and shorts then, you know, and it was tough. But it's easy that it's easy to make some kind of assumption or to assume by looking at one bad apple that the whole church is that way. See, often someone will, 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 come into contact, will come into contact with these people, and, and we'll make these assumptions. And they'll just misrepresent God. And we'll just assume that everybody in the church is that way. See, there are, spiritually, there are spiritually mature people, and then there are spiritually immature people. See, Paul recognized that there are two kinds of people in the church. When he told the Galatians in Galatians 6.1, He said, if any man be in fault or sin, you who are spiritual are to reach out and restore them gently. But watch out. Now, what's critical to know here, he didn't say, you who are at fault or in sin, reach out to this person that's in fault and in sin and reach out to him gently. He says, you who are spiritual, reach out to them gently and restore them gently. See, Paul's telling Galatians that someone in the church needs to assist the weaker Christians who've been taken over with fault. Now, I want you to think about that. Because let me tell you something. I I think a lot of our church. And I'll tell you, when I'm at my worst day, I want to be at church with my people. I want to be here. And I'm praying for you to be spiritually mature. Because I might need help. And it's critical, and and we we need to look at things that way. I challenge our music team often. I try to tell them, you know something? You know, we're leaders up here. I know I'm the music director, but that don't amount to Hill of Beans. But we're leaders up here, and and we have to be spiritually mature about what we're doing in our lives. It's tough to be a leader. Let me tell you something. How do you go through, and Patty, if you will uh, give me a little lead way here just to just to use you, honey. How, how, how do you go through what you're going through without being deeply rooted, without being spiritually mature so that we can handle that? Boy, and I need to move on too. See, something needs to be done and that's what Paul says. Well, Listen. He's insinuating that the spiritually immature cannot help the weaker Christian because they're in need of assistance itself. So what does it mean when we say someone is spiritual? See, before we can understand spiritual maturity, you have to understand that what is true in the physical life is also true in the spiritual life. Everyone who grows old does not necessarily grow up. We know people who have grown physically, but they haven't grown emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. See, much of the trouble that we read about in the newspaper or we see on the news is due to the lack of maturity in one's life. It used to be when a person reached the age of about 19 or 20 years of age, they began to think and act like an adult. Now we got them 40 and 50 acting like 18 and 19 Some never do grow up. See, we know a great deal about physical maturity because we're faced with it all the time. Often we hear other people say, why don't they grow up? I thought about this, man. I got to thinking my sisters always say that about me. <laughs> they still say it about me. Why don't they grow up? Why do we say stuff like that? Because they're immature. See, Paul wanted the Colossians to grow up. He wanted him to grow up. I want to look at a few things that he confronted about regarding the spiritual mature. And we're just going to look at a few things here. And I will hurry up because I know the roast is cooking. And I want to beat you there, okay? so But these verses show us how we can become spiritually mature. Number one, in verse 6, we want to look at our spiritual birth. How did we receive Christ? We received him by faith. That's how we receive Christ. When we receive Christ and salvation, we trusted in the righteousness of Christ and Christ's salvation. But our faith is not in here. See, as long as we live here on this earth, we should continue to trust and walk in the righteousness of Christ. Salvation isn't about anything that we can draw up here. Salvation's all about what Jesus Christ did for us. God made provisions for man. So that we don't have to face that eternal damnation. He made provisions for our iniquity. He made provisions for us. And how did He do it? He gave us Jesus Christ and His righteousness so that we can accept Him and we can walk through Him. Look, salvation's about what Jesus does through us. There's nothing in the world that we can do to acquire it, I and mean, we have to accept it but you can't keep yourself safe. There's not, we can't save ourselves. We can't do that. If we're going to grow into spiritual, mature Christians, we have to understand that we're saved by faith in the righteousness of Christ, and we should walk in that same righteousness. 1 John 2, 6 says, If you're going to claim to live in Him, you must walk as Jesus did. What does that mean? You know something, it's more, uh, and oftentimes I hear, oh, we profess, oh, we profess, oh, I profess Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. But I believe the manifestation of our walk in life is a true picture of what experience we had with Jesus. It's a true picture of whether we're mature or whether we're immature. What i to do is salvation. I believe there are going to be a lot of immature Christians in heaven. I believe that with all my heart. He that say that it abideth in him ought to himself so walk, even as he walked. If we're going to claim to live in Jesus, we ought to walk as he walked. Fruit of the Spirit. What he said, out of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Patty said she had spoken very the love that she felt. Listen, there ain't anything more than we can do is love somebody else with the love of God. As a matter of fact, if I don't love you, Miss Patty, with all the love of God, I can't get into heaven. It just don't work that way. I believe that with all my heart. It's not about anything that we do. Salvation is something that God gave us, and it's something that we can go to him. I'm so thankful that day I gave him my heart, April 25th of 1982. I just bowed down, and I wasn't a bad guy. I was not a drug guy. You can ask Miss Paulina. I was a pretty good guy, wasn't I? I didn't get in trouble. I was scared of my daddy. And the people today's not scared of their daddy. I'm scared. I'm scared of my daddy today. You know, but uh I I I never forget when I knelt down, I said, well, you know what? I served as an altar boy my whole life in the Catholic Church. I did. I grew up serving the altar boy. I did the whole nine year old. I even got kicked out for drinking the altar wine. Uh I go on and on. Got kicked, they they light these candles and you offer up prayer and you put money in there, and people light candles for their loved ones and blah blah. When me and my cousin got in, there was nobody there, and we thought, man, what would happen if we blew all these candles out? Man, we walked in there, and we blew until we, we couldn't walk. We were dizzy. <laughs> and it looked like somebody set off a bomb in that thing. I mean, there was smoke everywhere. About that time, the, the priest walks in, and boy, we got reprimanded pretty good. And uh, I became a much better altar boy after that, by the way. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. We looked at our spiritual birth, and I really need to move on. Look at our spiritual roots. Once we are spiritually born, we are to grow some spiritual roots. In verse 7, Paul told the Colossian Christians they should be rooted and built up in Him. When we look at the word rooted, it gives us a picture of a tree. See, see, a, a, a root, the word root provides two, or actually, the root provides two things for a tree. How many of you ever saw the storms come through, the hurricanes come through? Florida, when they come through, man, the trees are like that. My hair is like, you know, but the trees blow back. You see that? And then when it's all said and done, you, you see those trees, they're kind of leaning like that. And then there are some of them 10, 15, 20 feet away that are totally uprooted. You ever notice that? And oftentimes I'm thinking, how in the world did this tree survive that? But one twenty feet away didn't. Let me tell you the reason. It's because the roots in those trees that survived it was deeply rooted into the ground. They were down in there to the point that wind couldn't blow it over. And those that wasn't, they didn't have a very strong root system. It's as simple as that. You say, well, how in the world does that relate to our lives? I'm glad you asked. You can have two Christians sitting on the same pew they can amen the same songs, worship, sing, praise, like the same songs, attend the same Sunday school class, amen the preacher when he rants and raves, he amen the preacher, and they both can do that. But then when something stirs up in the church, and, and, and we have problems in the church, sometimes we do, and, and I've got to say this much, I, I commend Solid Rock Baptist Church. I've attended some churches and been a part of some, and this church is like no other church I ever attended. Well, if we say amen in more than one way, no, but it's just, it's just the fact, you know, factions are held down and and you guys do good staying focused on the Lord. But my point, when, when they do stir up, you got one of them that's gone and it it take the FBI to find out where the heck they went. And you got the other one that just stands strong and just stays firm. See, there's one that is very immature. The roots don't go very deep. And then there's one where the roots are truly wrapped, where they can withstand the storm. And let me tell you something. We as believers, Patty, help me if I mess this up, please. But there was a song in the 70s. Man, it was a good song. It was one of the first songs I heard when I got saved. And it was entitled, Give Them All to Jesus. And the second line, the second verse of it says, He never said you'd only see sunshine. He never said you wouldn't see any rain. He only promised a heart full of thinking about the very one that once brought the pain. Let me tell you something. The only thing that we're promised is salvation. The only thing that we're promised is a peace that surpasses all understanding. The only only thing that we're promised in our lives is Jesus Christ to lead, guide, and direct. We still have to walk through this world there's still a journey. And may, may I challenge you this morning that you become so deeply rooted in Jesus Christ that it doesn't matter what surfaces, that you can stand up and say, get thee behind me, Satan, for Jesus is my Lord. He's my Lord. May it be. He told the Philippians, he said this, uh, and, and let, me, let me throw this in real quick too. As the strength... Oh, that tree depends on its roots. So does the strength of the believer. To The strength of the believer comes through Jesus Christ. That's how we overcome it. That's how we become spiritually mature. It isn't so much it's what we know, but it's so much that we walk through what we walk through, knowing that it's Jesus Christ that's, walk, that, that's taking you by the hand. And that, my friend, will make the difference in your life. The roots provide, it not only provide strength, but it provides nourishment. The roots uh, the roots were, uh, uh, where a plant gets its nourishment um, um, is deeply rooted, but listen to this. Colossians he said in the, in the second verse he said, "He wanted them rooted and built up in him and established in the faith." How do we get established in our faith? How does our faith become strong, that we become rooted and we become built up in him? We're like this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by. It comes by the word of God. You want to get deeply rooted in Jesus? Why don't you read the Word every day? Amen. You want to be deeply rooted in Jesus? Why don't you go tell somebody about what He's doing in your life? Let's give Him all the glory, all the praise for the things that's going on in our lives. See, you're not going to get spiritually mature by building your Christianity on some slick religions. And you're not going to get uh, build your Christianity on some uh, uh, crazy entertainment. See, building your Christianity on work for itself for self-gratification will not make you spiritually mature. You can only get the good, strong spiritual roots if they're deeply rooted in Jesus. What brings the joy in your life? Let me tell you, we're, we're, we're people who like, we we kind of like what we want. And for the most of us, notice I said us, we get what we want. But at some point, when do we totally submit to Jesus and allow him to lead God and guide our lives, that we begin just to fall on our face before him and give our all to him? Christy, Christy, sweet Christy, was in my youth group, her and Michael Calvin. She quoted scripture to me after first service, by the way. And she came to me and she said, you know what I remember the scripture you and Miss Pauline always taught us? Was Proverbs 1 7 the beginning of wisdom beginning of, of uh, wisdom is the fear of the Lord a lot of times we think it's knowledge in it well knowledge is a good thing and I encourage you to get the knowledge but let me tell you something wisdom tells you how to apply that knowledge see being deeply rooted in Jesus and that is a great scripture honey you, it was I tell you something you stirred my heart and, and that was a, that was a cool scripture because that is a good scripture for us to carry. To be spiritually mature, you're going to have to have some spiritual roots. But we're going to look at one other thing, and we're going to look at our spiritual instruction. And I know I'm going through this fast, but that's okay too. Established in the faith as you have been taught. How are we established in the faith? Just as we've been taught. You say, how have we been taught? Well, you know something? We have Sunday school here. We have Sunday school. We have good Sunday school teachers. And, and, and let me tell you something. If our Sunday school teachers aren't good, then go in there and make it better. I don't gripe about it. and stuff. Just go in there and make it better. But we're offering that. Look, we got a pastor who teaches us the word each and every week. We walk out of this church, and, and I hear you. Well, preacher, you stepped on my toe. I, like, I never forget the first time I came, to Solid Rock. I said, preacher, you stepped on my toes. He said, I'm after your heart. But he teaches us every week. Good, solid scripture. I call it good old-fashioned application preaching because it hits me between the eyes. And I'm like many of you. Sometimes I wonder, why is he preaching about me? Well, let me tell you something. We're being taught. The way we establish our faith is that we begin to do the things that we're taught, the things that are applied. You, the, the, The teachers that teach you stuff, learn to apply them in your lives. They're not up there just spitting at the wind. Man, they spend time studying the Word of God, and, and they come back and they give you what God let them. This morning, I'm giving you everything that I have, what God's put on my heart. I've been battling this for several months, and that's okay. But I want to be spiritually mature. I want to be that way. It isn't about Terry. My ministry here, this worship team that we have, it isn't about Terry, but it's what God does through them. And we begin to, to pour our lives. Remember, as iron, Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so does another man sharpen the countenance of his friend. I want somebody spiritually mature uh, sharpening my iron, as I want to do too. And I hope that, 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 that I can sharpen somebody's iron who ain't quite so sharp. But it's kind of neat that he uses that analogy because then he turns around and says that the, God's word's sharper than what? See, we got to get it sharp. we got to get it going. The way we do that is we take God's Word and we begin to put it in our lives. The things that we're taught, what the Bible teaches us, put it in our lives. Learn how to apply that. You learn how to apply it, and then you become sharp as a two-edged sword. And it don't matter what comes your way. Because praise be to God. And and I'm thankful I have a wife, and I know Mike does, but I have a wife, the song she sings, that's her. Sometimes she runs around the house doing that, and I shake my head, and I'm like, Spiritually mature, what are you doing here? Come on now. <laughs> but we ought to thank Him each and every day for what He's done in our lives. St- established in our faith. Faith comes a hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Look, I don't know if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe if you didn't, you won't understand this, but let me say something to you this morning. Don't leave here not knowing because the Bible teaches us these things are written so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, I don't know if salvation's for me. Well, let me say this. Ti- Paul told Titus in the second chapter of the book of Titus, in verse 11, he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation. Listen to this. You can look it up. Write it down. Titus chapter 2, verses 11. Read it all the way to 15. When he says, for the grace of God that brings salvation, has appeared to all men. Everybody say all men with me. Men. See, it applies to everyone. Well, I'm confused about it. Don't leave today. We'll talk to you. We've got people in here. We'll talk to you about salvation. Man, this is what our passion's all about. I know he touched my life April 25th of 1982. I, I know that. And there are many, many times I wanted to redo it. Many, many times I wanted to say, man, I don't know if I got it because of my shortcomings. But let me tell you something. There's one thing I'm convinced of today, and then anything I've done. But I'm telling you, being on my face before the Lord and seeking his will, man, has, has assured me. And I want to tell you the good news, that if I died right now, I'd be kneeling at the feet of Jesus. Salvation's something real accepting salvation and walking into his righteousness that's the way we become spiritually mature amen with every head back.